Access Pro Rata, where we take just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. Presented by Bridge Bank. Be bold. Venture wisely. I'm Dan Mac. On today's show, Peloton saves New York and CEOs are exiting at a record pace. But first... Too subtle? Okay, so that is a whistleblowing, as this morning all of America got to read the whistleblower complaint that just last week the White House and Justice Department were trying to keep under wraps. And perhaps the most noteworthy thing in there is how the White House allegedly went out of its way to not only keep the whistleblower report private, but also to, quote, lock down that memo, the one we read yesterday, in a sensitive computer system designed to hold national security information, even though, as we've all now seen, there was no national security information in there. In short, we seem to be at the beginning of the beginning of this investigation, or maybe kind of the bottom of the first inning. All of this, of course, is going on in the context of a presidential election, with Axios's Margaret Tollive and Elena Treen reporting this morning that the Trump campaign plans to use their old Hillary Clinton playbook against Joe Biden basically transitioning from but her emails to but his kids Ukrainian business interests. It may not make Trump look better, but it could make Biden look worse, despite the continuing lack of evidence of wrongdoing by the former vice president or members of his family. Remember, it has been over 20 years since America last went through an impeachment process. But that time, that was after the president had been reelected. This is a very different moment in the cycle, let alone a very different era. In 15 seconds, we'll go deeper with Axios Politics Editor Margaret Tolive. But first, this. Bridgebank believes in the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. Those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. That's why Bridgebank has been dedicated to providing financial solutions to sponsor-backed emerging technology and growth companies for nearly two decades through its national network of banking teams and offices. Bridgebank is a division of Western Alliance Bank. Bridgebank. Be bold. Venture wisely. We're joined now by Axios Politics Editor Margaret Tollive. You have read the whistleblower complaint this morning. Your initial reaction after reading it was what? Well, Congress is going to have a lot more questions now that they've read this whistleblower complaint. It laid out pretty meticulously the breadth of how many people had awareness of the president's call to the Ukrainian president, how many were on the call in some fashion, and how many complaints made their way to this whistleblower. And it also dropped what is going to be sort of a bombshell assertion, which is that the idea that these calls were locked away because of concerns about political blowback, political implications, and the idea that there may be other calls with other foreign leaders in which the president also has taken a political tack and that the White House may have used that lever they have of making it harder to access some of those transcripts of calls to sort of cover for him politically. So Congress is going to have a lot of questions about those. But also, you get the sense from reading the whistleblower's complaint that this was not some sort of rogue asterisk sidebar uh, player who happened to find their way into the administration, that this was someone with a great deal of experience and a, and a large network who had contacts with a lot of people inside not just the intelligence community, but the White House and the State Department, and that there were fairly pervasive concerns about this phone call. Under statute, whistleblowers, not their name's not supposed to be released. That's why they're a whistleblower. They are protected. You know, if this person has to testify, they will take great pains, you know, put them behind one of those fancy panes and make their voice sound weird. All of that said, pragmatically speaking, do you think it is possible this investigation goes forward and we don't actually find out who the person is? more likely that we do, although the acting DNI, Mr. McGuire, testifying 
says he doesn't know the identity of the whistleblower. He respects the whistleblower process and the need for that shield. So at this point, the name is not out there, but we've heard from sources from the Hill, as well as the administration, that the identity of the whistleblower is known. I also think it is possible that part of the whistleblower's consideration was not just to shield themselves for privacy reasons or protection reasons, but to make sure that the process was done in the right way so that they didn't fall into sort of a Jim Comey trap or a trap of being branded a leaker or a Democrat or that sort of thing, that by using the whistleblower process, they were enabled to initiate a process that McGuire has said was the only right way to do this. And as a result, at some point, they may feel it behooves them to come forward. We don't know that, and they may remain anonymous, but we're all curious to see. Margaret, basically every major investigation of a White House, and, and going back, multiple presidents, it has been extraordinarily partisan in Congress. Is there any reason at this moment for you to believe, you know, you talk about how Congress is going to have a lot of questions. Any reason at this moment for you to believe that when those questions are asked, that it won't be Democrats asking, let's say, uh, questions that could be damaging to the White House and Republicans playing uh, defense? If Mr. McGuire's hearing is any indication, things are breaking down along those lines. Very aggressive questioning of McGuire, suggesting that he was working to try to cover things up. Republicans bending over backwards in the other direction. I do think there is a real genuine interest among several Republicans as well as Democrats in getting to the bottom of this. But this is so politically charged that what comes out, not just in this complaint now, but what follows, any additional investigations of people who are mentioned or referenced in that report, Congress's ability to hear from the whistleblower themselves is really the only thing that could have a decisive impact in shifting this away from a predictable impeachment battle into something real and substantive. Two presidential politics questions related to this. The first is something you wrote with uh, Access to Atlanta Train this morning, which suggested that the Trump campaign is kind of trying to use kind of their Hillary Clinton playbook on Biden here. Explain what that means. And from your perspective, will it be effective? They're trying to go back to the playbook for two reasons. Number one, it worked in 2016. And number two, in Biden, President Trump and his team see a lot of similarities to this extent, that they've both been in politics for decades, both their relationships and statements of decades past can be brought back and used to complicate them, and that they both have kind of these Achilles heels. In Hillary Clinton's case, it's her husband. In Joe Biden's case, it's his son, Hunter. And the president knows that if he can toss sort of words like uh, corruption and wrongdoing and bad nicknames at the opponent, sometimes it sticks and gives an equivalency to criticism of him in the public eye, or at least muddies the waters. It worked for him before. Why not do it again? The second reason why is because right now Joe Biden is in what looks like a real primary contest, predominantly against Elizabeth Warren. And if President Trump can use that 2016 playbook now to take Biden out of the running before the nomination, if he ends up being able to move a situation where he can run against Elizabeth Warren, he runs a different race in Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, nationally, on messaging, on healthcare, a completely different race than potentially a harder race against Biden. And finally, we are miles, eons, maybe ever away from even the prospect of an actual impeachment, let alone President Trump being removed from office. That said, are there any rumblings right now on the Republican side of things about at least considering the possibility of a contingency if their standard bearer, their candidate for 2020, isn't allowed to be on the ballot come, I don't know, February, March of next year? It's just not a serious consideration at this point. Uh, primarily what we're hearing now is much more of a contingency planning is for what happens if this inquiry actually goes from something that's stuck in the House to something that has to be taken seriously. And that's really where the Republican focus has been. 
uh, Mitch McConnell and Senate Republicans have worked to make sure that the whistleblower complaint got released. I mean, they were part of that effort. And to that extent, they have been holding President Trump's feet to the fire to protect their own congressional powers. But in public statements, you see them very much minimizing this. And you just don't see any kind of the numbers break that you would need to see in the Senate at this point in order for a conviction, even if there were an impeachment vote, to become a reality. Access Politics Editor Margaret Tolliff, thank you so much for joining us. My final two right after this. With offices and tech hubs throughout the country, including San Francisco, Boston, and Atlanta, and new offices in Seattle, Denver, and Chicago, BridgeBank continues to meet the innovation ecosystem wherever it thrives. And through its teams focused on technology and life sciences companies and the equity investors who fuel them, BridgeBank delivers a responsive, high-touch client experience. BridgeBank is a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank. Be bold. Venture wisely. Now it's time for my final two and first up are CEOs or actually former CEOs. Just this week, we've seen the departures of top execs at WeWork, eBay and Juul, but that's really just the tip of the iceberg. Consulting firm Challenger Gray and Christmas reports that U.S. businesses had 159 CEO changes last month, August, which was 28% higher than July and represented the largest ever monthly figure. In fact, the overall 2019 year to date number right now is even higher than it was at this point in 2008 when we were in the midst of the financial crisis. Why? Well, there's no consensus, but it certainly doesn't help that the business community is facing growing uncertainty due to both the trade war and persistent worries that good times are coming to an end. And finally, there's Peloton, the connected fitness company made famous by ads of beautiful people riding spin bikes in beautiful homes. Last night, the company raised $1.6 billion in its initial public offering at around a $9.6 billion valuation. Why it matters is that this is a huge win for the New York tech scene, which has been reeling from WeWork's implosion. In fact, Peloton is now valued higher than any other New York City startup at IPO. It's also a reprieve for Peloton banker JP Morgan, which also had been WeWork's banker, and also some of Peloton's early investors like Fidelity, which was invested in both WeWork and Jewel. They always say there is nothing better than exercise to raise your spirits. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Tim Shovers and Jesse Lee, have a great national Johnny Appleseed day. And we'll be back on Monday with another Pro Rata podcast.